power move is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Yura Nation, the traditional custodians of this land, and we pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hi, I'm Alice Montfries and welcome to Power Move, a future women podcast in partnership with Vanguard, who are making low-cost investing easy and achievable for all Australians. In this series, you'll find out everything you need to know to take that first step in investing. This is the second episode in our three-part series, so if you haven't listened to episode one, where I spoke to Vanguard's investing expert, Shannon Nutter, about the basics of investing and why investing is so important, particularly for women, I highly recommend you start with that first. So go on, press pause now and download episode one. You'll thank me. In this episode, I'm chatting with Molly Benjamin. In her own words, Molly was not very good with money, despite working in the financial sector for most of her career. In fact, she realised over a glass of Prosecco with her girlfriends that they were all pretty clueless when it came to their personal finances. So, as an experiment, Molly put on an info night in her living room. Just a few girls, some champagne, and a money expert with real-world insights. Since then, Molly's founded She's on the Money UK with its successful spin-off podcast, as well as Ladies Finance Club Australia, all with the mission of empowering women to take control of their financial futures. And to date, she's had over 10,000 women attend an event, webinar, boot camp or workshop. Molly Benjamin, welcome to Power Move. Thank you very much for having me. Now, Molly, your story is fascinating and I'm so excited to chat a bit more about it. But before we delve into it, I just want to start by blowing our listeners' minds with some not-so-fun facts that I learned recently about women when it comes to money and investing. All right, are you ready? Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Okay, so not-so-fun fact number one. According to a Merrill Lynch study, 61% of women would rather talk about their own death than money. Molly, that's dire. Isn't it? I know. And I think we'd all prefer to get a pap smear than do a budget. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, yeah. Talking about money is still such a taboo topic. It's actually one of the reasons why I started Ladies Finance Club, because I wanted to create this space where we could come and talk about money without judgment, without feeling like our questions were too blonde. Because it's crazy, isn't it? That Talking about money is such a scary topic when we use and spend it every single day. And our relationship with money is one of the longest relationships we're going to have in our lives. You know, we need it to thrive and survive. It controls so many of our daily decisions from where we live to like what we do, like even to how we get places, but we hate talking about it. And I think for people to think they'd rather talk about their own death than money, I mean, yeah. that's, that's extreme, but it just goes to show how uncomfortable this topic makes so many of us. Absolutely. And with women and money, there just seems to be a lot of like negative emotion there as well. You know, oh, I don't earn enough or I waste too much or I earn more than my partners. There's a lot of shame and a lot of that kind of results in the fact that we would prefer to talk about anything, including our own debts than money. And we're going to move on to not so fun fact number two. And this same study found that 50% of the women surveyed invest in a high-interest savings account, so a trend seen broadly where women are recklessly cautious with their money, preferring savings in cash and investing in property over shares. Molly, why do you think this is? It's 
a statistic we see in the UK and the US as well. Generally, women are more risk averse. We like the safety of cash and knowing it's there and accessible if we need it. But really, as long as you have your emergency fund with three to six months worth of expenses, then we don't really need piles and piles of cash just being kind of sitting there being chewed up by inflation. And I think it's even more important that us as ladies, we make our money work hard for us because we are, you know, living longer and we're earning less. (laughs) You know, we take these gaps um, in our careers for all the right reasons, you know, Mm. to have kids, families, look after elderly parents. But then we face these severe, severe back sets to our earning financial power when we return as far as career progression, Mm. earning potential, our super fun retirement. So as I always say, we literally can't afford to ignore this stuff. And, you know, history shows time and time again that investing in the stock market offers the best return over the long term. Good news is that we are really good at investing. And the stats show that when women do invest, we make great investments and we actually outperform our male counterparts. Because I love this. When, yeah, when we see like, you know, these crazy financial storms like we just did with COVID, Women, we generally will have a goal, we have a plan, and we don't freak out, we don't impulse sell, we don't impulse buy, we just ride out the wave. And what that means is our returns are a little bit better than the male sometimes, (laughs) which is great. (laughs) And Molly, that's so interesting because our not-so-fun fact number three shows that still on that study, 44% of women who were surveyed feel socially discouraged from investing in the stock market. So we're good at it, but we don't really feel like Mm. we're being encouraged to do it. And it's really worth noting that also in this survey, and look, these are both reasons that resonate with me, 56% put it down to a lack of knowledge and 48% cited a lack of confidence in their ability to get started. Does this surprise you or is this what you see a lot of in your work? Yeah, I mean, we see this a lot, that big barrier of, oh, I don't know where to start or I don't know how to do this. But it's similar to, I guess, like driving a car. We don't know how to drive cars until we're taught. So it's definitely something we need to learn. And women like to learn, I think, in a way where it's fun, it's accessible, it's jargon free. And the finance industry doesn't really do that too well. You know, I think it's easy to feel like, you know, the investment industry and finance industry isn't really our place. You know, at Ladies Finance Club, we call it very male pale and stale. Um, I love that. That's so true. And and also blue and quite masculine. Look at the terms they use in investing. It's like the bull and the bear market. Like these are not, (laughs) like these are very masculine words. And role models, I think it's so interesting, like how many female financial role models can you name? Mm. For me, I'm like, uh, you know, I I mean, I can name a couple, but I'm a female finance nerd. I I love women (laughs) in finance. But for most people, like, you know, you think of like the Warren Buffett, you Mm. know, there's not these names that come to you and how we are reflected finance is reflected in movies as well like where there's no women it's the wolf of wall street it's the big short margin call it's all these white men in suits in big towers and that doesn't really feel very kind of inclusive i often make this analogy at our events like for many women um investing can feel like when you go to the weight section of the gym it's (laughs) You know, it's very intimidating. male. It's intimidating. It's intimidating. Yes. It's a little bit scary. You're like, there's not a lot of signage here. I don't know if I'm doing it right. And you're so self-conscious and, and worried that everyone's judging you and looking at you. And you're like, <laughs> I don't want to cause any long-term damage here <laughs> if I'm doing it yes. wrong. And, you, and also, like, where are all the women, <laughs> you know? so It's scary, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, maybe we have like the Carrie Bradshaws, the Sex in the City as like the pin-up girl for like, you know, a tough, savvy, modern career-driven woman, but 
she was really bad with money. You know, she spent $40,000 on a pair of shoes and had no place to live. And she quotes, I like my money where I can see it hanging in my closet. No, that is like the worst financial (laughs) advice ever. So, you know, I think there's a few reasons, but, you know, I think the fact that is just a lack of role models and, you know, we feel like it's almost like excluded from this world you know, might be some of the reasons behind that. And the information isn't easy to access. Well, Molly, look, this is a statistic that I know you're working to change, but it brings us to our not-so-fun fact number four, which is research by Investment Trends found that women make up only 18% of total online investors in Australia. 18%. I was shocked by that number. That's less than a fifth. Yeah, and I'm shocked by this as well. You know, this number is shocking because women are hungry to learn this information but there do seem to be these barriers. And also women in general, we have so many different things going on. You know, we've got, you know, motherhood. We've got penalties that are kind of against us. We've got the motherhood penalty. We've got the childcare penalty. We've got the good daughter penalty. And we have this female load that never stops. We're busy. We're trying to be good mothers, wives, daughters, feed the dog, get the toilet paper, get the birthday present, all that unpaid work we do. So it's easy to see why then learning how to invest on top of that just doesn't make it to the top of everyone's priority list Mm. because there is just so much going on. But what we do know is investing into our future is just so crucial for, um, you know, later life and that control, that ultimate control we get over our lives. So that is one of the reasons why we started Ladies Finance Club to create a space where women can come together And we can talk about this and, you know, do it with our girlfriends and have fun and have a glass of bubbles, um, you know, and and hear language. You know, we have analogies where we can make it relevant to women and really break it down. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we've I mean, there's some not so fun facts. And Molly, look, I, I have no doubt that the old you can really resonate with a lot of those statistics as many as myself and, and I'm sure many of, of our listeners will too. So look, I'm dying to know now how you got from being, and I'm using your own words here, clueless with money to <laughs> where you are now. And look, I want to know everything about that entire journey and moving between those two places. But I think a good place to start is when you were young. So what are your earliest memories of money? One of my earliest money memories was I got a scratchy when I was little and I don't know if it's legal to give kids scratch cards, but <laughs> I won $25 on my first ever scratch card and I was like, it was like I'd won the lottery. That's a it was lot like, when you're little. It was. It was a lot. And do you know what I did? I went out straight away and bought a dress for my Cabbage Patch doll. Like, oh, <laughs> if only I'd known about compounding. So... Because it's really interesting because our money mindset is made up by the time we're eight years old and mm. it's very influenced by how our parents behaved with money, how they talked about money or didn't talk about money and whether we kind of mimic those behaviors or where we did the opposite of those behaviors. So growing up, I had pocket money. You know, I had to do chores around the house. It was like feed the dogs, do the dishwasher. <laughs> um, you could always like earn extra by cleaning mum and dad's car. When I was 13 years old, my parents actually took us out of school for the year and we traveled around the world. And I think I set up like Molly's massage parlor where I would have like different packages and you could uh, give my family like um, massages. Entrepreneurial. Yeah. And I was like, you know, you can use my Game Boy if you want the deluxe version, but only for like 10 minutes because I've got to pay for batteries. So, you know, I had these ideas of like making money. But again, I was a massive spender. I would get that money in and I'd be like, right, what can I buy? So yeah, yeah I definitely wasn't 
great with money when I was little. And that's incredible that by age eight, those values are already sort of instilled in us. That's so young. Exactly. And yeah, no, totally. And if, and if your parents didn't have good money behaviours, then you generally take on those money behaviours. And if you've never been taught, you know, you can see how people get trapped in these, these cycles. Mm. Were your parents, were they savers or were they a bit more haphazard with their spending? And, and what about with you? Did they try and sort of instill any money lessons into you? Yeah, like I was really fortunate to have great role models who tried to teach me about money <laughs> and investing, but I was like, my mum was constantly t- teaching me how to budget and I just fought her endlessly. But what I now know is I didn't have a goal. So she was like, save, save. And I was like, but why? What's the point? I'm going to spend this money anyway. So I may as well spend it now. I ha- very much had that. We're here for a good time, not a long time <laughs> mentality. And I remember her sitting down with me one day going like, you know, you're in your first corporate job, Molly, like, let's look down. How are you not saving any money? I was so defensive. I felt so emotional. I was like, oh God, she's going to see how much I spend on clothes and going out and drinks after work. Mm. They were always trying to um, teach me, but I think until you have that moment yourself um, and it comes from within and you go, Mm. no, right, I want to get my act together with money. It's pointless. But what I am really happy about is they taught me never to have a credit card because I know I would have got into some serious debt in college had I had a credit card because I watched a number of my girlfriends um, Mm. put things on credit cards and literally until a couple of years ago they were still paying those credit cards off like just crazy so yeah I was always thankful for that. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this message from our partner Vanguard. Vanguard want to help Australians invest with confidence. With over 30 million investors worldwide, their philosophy is simple. Through high-quality, low-cost products, they allow investors to keep more of their returns. With the launch of Vanguard Personal Investor, you can now access a wide range of award-winning products that give you the best chance of investment success. Getting started is easier than you think, with Australian ETFs from $500 brokerage-free. To learn more, visit vanguard.com.au forward slash personal or search Vanguard Personal Investor. Future Women is dedicated to helping women connect, learn and lead. There's a price point to suit all budgets or to talk to your company about corporate training membership to advance your professional development. Head to futurewomen.com. Welcome back to Power Move, where my guest today is founder of She's on the Money UK and Ladies Finance Club Australia, Molly Benjamin. So what was the moment then when you realised that you did have to start taking financial security seriously? I was, I moved to London and I was, you know, living the, the, living the high life in London. So traveling and bottomless brunches and I had a great group of girlfriends. Living the dream. Living the dream, but <laughs> also living paycheck to paycheck and yeah. no emergency savings. I remember once paying for rent and I didn't have enough money. So I had to ask my girlfriend and then the next week she'd run out of money. So she asked me. So we had like this credit debt system where I'd lend her 50, she'd lend me 50, I'd lend her 50. But like we were still going out for brunch and going to bars and I was like, this is crazy. And I remember being in like Sainsbury's or Tesco's, one of the big shopping centers over there. And I was checking my bank account as I was trying to purchase some food to see if I had enough money. And I was just like, 
Molly, this has got to stop. This is such a stressful way of living. Mm. So I got my act together. I um, built up an emergency fund. And, you know, at Ladies Finance Club, we always say, if you don't know where to start with getting your act together with money, you start with building an emergency fund. So in case of a in case of an emergency, a, a rainy day, mm. like um, your car breaking down or a global pandemic, <laughs> um, you know, you've got money sitting there that you can tap into. I ended up starting to pay myself first. So before I'd get my paycheck and before I'd pay any of my bills or expenses, I'd put a little bit of savings away for me. And that was my money. So I paid myself first. And then, you know, I got into a much better habit where I was able to save regularly and then start investing regularly. That's a huge turnaround. How, How old were you at that stage? A lot of people think, you know, everyone else is always better at money and I'm so late to this. But I was in my late 20s at that stage, you know, it wasn't like, I was like 22. I was like end of my 20s. And the most incredible thing about, you know, having had that moment setting myself up properly was my sister got sick a couple of years later and I had to fly home because she was started treatment. She was diagnosed with um, worst stage Hodgkinson's lymphoma. And I didn't even have to think about money. I didn't Mm. have to think about it for a moment. I could just go, okay, I'm putting my job on pause for however long it takes and I'm going to go there and be there with my sister. Mm-hmm. And I don't even have to think about, oh, what am I going to do for money? So, you know, there's so much control and freedom that, you know, having that emergency savings that gives you. Mm, and just the stress it can take out of your life. Absolutely. Like, it's just a really stressful way to live when you're living mm. paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, a lot of people are doing it. So, so that was how you got your finances sorted. And then what was the catalyst behind you starting to actually invest? So my parents introduced me to the world of shares quite early on, but I didn't really get it. I didn't really understand it, but I saw it as forced savings. So occasionally they would say like, oh, you know, you've got some with your paycheck, like just put like, you know, a couple of hundred away into shares. And I would be like, oh, okay. And I think I had like um, ANZ and then some shopping center shares because I was like, well, I know what shopping centers are. (laughs) And I think it was at a time when maybe having shopping center shares wasn't the worst investment. So it was very much like my parents who'd set me up on NAB trade and I didn't do anything with it. It was very ad hoc. I just left it there. And then kind of when I tapped back into it, like a number of years later, that money had really grown. And I was able to use a little bit of it for when I was overseas. And also there was a course I really wanted to do. And I think that was the moment where I was like, my money just grew and I didn't do a thing. And that was kind mm. of like, welcome to investing. And you know, that was really that light bulb moment for me where I was like, hey, money can make money. This is awesome. And so for people listening to this, I mean, and for me listening to this, What's really interesting and what I really want to know is how you start, like what the first steps you take are to to start investing. Yeah. So educating yourself, I think, is the number one step. I read The Barefoot Investor and I remember learning about Mm -hmm. compounding interest and going, how did I not know about this beforehand? And then I started learning about shares and funds and ETFs. And When you're thinking about those first steps, I think there's such a barrier for people because they're like, I don't physically know how to buy it. Mm. But, you know, it's you get a brokerage account. Mm. And Mm. then I always say to women, if you can shop on eBay, you can open up a brokerage account and you can buy shares online because it's the same process. You know, you open an account, you say how many you want to buy, you pay for it and then they're yours. So, you know, it is actually quite a simple process that I think we can overcomplicate 
um, very easily. But it's just that education piece as well. You know, there's a couple of basic concepts of investing and we teach those at Ladies Finance Club. But once you've got those, you've got a really good foundation to then start growing your knowledge and learning that, hey, actually, it's not like super, super risky because if I'm putting my money not into one company, not into one shopping center company like I used to, but if I'm putting it into an exchange traded fund, which is invested across hundreds of different companies, Mm. then if one company goes down, I'm not going to lose all my money. I'll be fine. And again, I always come back to that. History shows that investing in the stock market offers the best returns over the long term. Investing isn't about a quick win. It's not about like doubling your money overnight. It's a long-term game. Mm. And obviously you've got all this knowledge now, but for those of us listening who this is all very new to, who might be feeling a bit apprehensive or a bit worried, did you feel like that initially? Did you have some fears around it? Yeah, I mean, again, because I knew that I was investing for the long term, I didn't have that fear of I'm going to lose everything. Because when we do our investing events, it's something we hear a lot of women say. They're like, I feel like it's gambling. I feel like I'm going to lose Mm -hmm. all my money. But again, when you learn these basic concepts, so you learn about diversification and spreading your money across lots of different companies, you realize how difficult it is to lose all that money and that it's extremely unlikely. Um, Although, you know, I've made my mistakes and not that I was like super worried because I had a little bit of money separate, but I remember going on a Bumble date with a guy and he was really into cryptocurrency at a time when cryptocurrency was a thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, I've got some money. I understood nothing. I didn't get it. I did a bit of cryptocurrency trading. I got a little bit lucky, but I had no idea what I was doing. And I think after that, I was like, okay, a rule that I'm always going to stick to is don't invest in what you don't understand. (laughs) And, you know, um, I would never do that now. (laughs) Well, I think that's the thing. People feel sort of sucked in by something that's got all the the bright, shiny buzzwords and lights around it. And maybe they don't fully understand, but someone's told them a little bit about it and they think they should be doing what everyone else is doing. And I can understand that feeling of being sucked in. Oh, totally. You know, it's like, oh, Uncle Terry said at the barbecue that this stock is really good, so I'm going to go buy it. And it's like, where else would we do that in life? We'd always do research beforehand. Like if we were going somewhere, we wouldn't just be like, cool, I'm booking a trip there. You'd do a bit of research, you know, you'd make sure the hotel was nice. You you know, you knew how much the flights were over there. We'd just like jump in and, and go there straight away. So what were your first results when you first started doing this? I guess my first results were I could see my money growing and I could see that I'd set out these goals and I was I was reaching those goals. And again, on those very first shares I had, I had like almost doubled my money. And so I could take some of that out and, you know, spend it on a course I really wanted to do to like further educate myself. It was really exciting to see those results and see your money working for you. Oh, so exciting to see your money being doubled like that. It just must validate everything, yeah. everything you're doing. And that, Yeah. And that was over a period of time. That wasn't like overnight. (laughs) So yeah, that was like after a number of years. It's a long-term game. (laughs) Well, can you tell us about your financial situation now? Now I have, you know, I have my emergency fund and this is always something that I will have. So I've got three months worth of expenses. So it's sitting there. My 
current goal is to save for a house because I want that money in the next couple of years. Um, I've got some of it invested and some of it not invested. Ladies Finance Club, we always say if you've got a goal that you want in the next one to three years, you generally do not invest that money because if we have a financial storm, you do not have time for your the stock market mm, to recover okay. and you'll, you could potentially be making that loss. And I still don't have a credit card. It was so funny. I was being interviewed the other day and someone's like, so are you like a millionaire? And I was like, no, not yet. <laughs> Just because you're invest, you know, I'm, you know, I started Ladies Finance Club because I was clueless myself and I wanted to educate myself and take other women with us. But again, you know, this isn't a get rich quick scheme investing. It takes time. It's about watching the effects of compounding. Um, yeah. So that was, that always makes me laugh. <laughs> what are your future plans around investing? So my future plans are keep learning and keep doing it regularly and then keep checking with my goals. So I invest monthly. I have it generally around the same amount. I invest every single month. Yeah, so it's just, I think, to do it regularly. Well, Molly, I would love it if you could please leave us with your top three pieces of advice for women when it comes to investing. So the first one is, I think it's really important to set goals. I never really understood this until recently. It's like, it's going to be a lot easier to invest and stop spending money when you have goals. Um, And we say, you know, break them into your short-term goals, your medium-term goals, and your long-term goals. Because, you know, having goals there will keep you accountable and you're way less likely to spend that money. So when your friends are like, let's go for a little weekend away, or it's a lot (laughs) easier to go, actually... Uh, maybe yes to that, no to that, because I want to buy a house one day or yep. I want to buy a house in the next two years. So you've it's got a, lot a why, easier. a reason. You've got a reason. You've got your why, exactly. And then I know I've kind of banged on about it a lot, but my second one is it's about time in the market, not timing the market, you know. Mm-hmm. If investing in the stock market offers the best returns over the long term, this isn't about day trading. This isn't about you know using Uncle Terry's barbecue hot hot tip. Um, this is about investing in the long um, term. And if you can shop online, you can definitely invest online. And the third piece is invest in yourself. It pays the dividends. I know this sounds so cliche, but like you know, start talking about money to all the women in your lives, Um, you know, find a tribe, you know, maybe like Ladies Finance Club, where you can surround yourself with like-minded women who are, you know, educating themselves. We get so many incredible questions on our Facebook group around women on investing in all aspects of personal finance. And with our group as well, we do monthly um, masterclasses with experts and we have accountability groups. So, you know, you do have that kind of cohort of women where, you know, you can come together and talk about this stuff. Because if you don't generally don't talk about it in your day-to-day um, today life, it, it's nice to have somewhere where you can, you can come together and do that. And I think as well, like, what well, I love hearing feedback when people have been to our events. Uh, they go, oh, I was able to talk to my partner tonight about ETFs. Mm. Or I get like little messages and it'll be like, I went to an event a year ago in London and um, you'll be so proud of me because I've done this, this and this. And it's really exciting and it's very empowering. And I love women. I think they are extraordinary. And my dream is to see, you know, women investing and building their wealth so they can lead a life where, you know, they've got freedom and choices and they, and, you know, and money gives you that and they don't have to be controlled by, you know, relationships, by jobs, by Mm. circumstances because they didn't have that control over their money. 
Mm, absolutely. And I think just listening to you talk about this and hearing your story today, you can hear how much of a difference it's made for your life since you took that step and started taking ownership and, and priority of your own finances and just the impact that's had on your own life. Yeah, absolutely. It is a lot less, it's a lot, <laughs> it's so much stress-free when you're not living kind of in that haphazard, chaotic paycheck to paycheck lifestyle. And I think you're right. It's all about talking about it more, which is exactly what we're doing here today, just keeping those conversations going so that it doesn't seem so strange and foreign to women and they can feel like they can engage in these types of conversations. I'm even interested to hear from you how your money conversations with friends have changed since you've, obviously you work in this area now and do you find you've got a tribe that you are able to speak about with this regularly, but how have those conversations changed? I think with my girlfriends, because they know I'm obviously running Ladies Finance Club, they are, all they want to do is talk about money. I think, you know, we're given so few opportunities where we're like, it's okay to talk about money. And even at our events, um, by the end of an event, I'm like pushing ladies out the door. I'm like, sorry, we've got to go. We're, they're shutting down the venue. But it's like Fantastic. they've been giving this free, yeah, yeah. They've been given this freedom and this almost permission to talk about money. And we have a lot to say about this. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to see definitely when my girlfriends start talking about investments or even about budgeting, um, about, you know, what their plan is uh, or if they're, you know, some of them have been really open as well with the fact that they've been in debt and now they've got a plan and they're getting out of debt. And we're talking about these conversations a lot more openly. So yeah, we just need to, I think, need to keep doing that and keep normalizing it. And we shouldn't only be talking about money when we're talking about how broke we are. Yeah. <laughs> we should be talking about all these other aspects. Oh, absolutely. Well, Molly Benjamin, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting about money with you today. I know um, certainly this conversation with you, it's given me a lot more confidence to, to go out there and, and look into this a bit more myself, and I'm sure for many of our listeners as well. So it's been an absolute pleasure to hear you share your money story with us and instill a little bit of confidence into the rest of us. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. And yep, come check out our Ladies Finance Club event sometime, Alice. <laughs> Thanks, Molly. Thanks again for listening. Join me for the next episode of Power Move where I speak to Rachel White from Vanguard, where she'll be busting a few myths and will give you all the information you need to know to take that first step to start investing. Power Move is a future women podcast made in partnership with Vanguard. It's produced by Fancy Films. If you're enjoying this series, we'd love it if you could share it with a friend that needs some motivation to get their finances in order. And please take a moment to rate and review it because that really helps people find us. Until then. This podcast contains factual information only and is correct as at 24th of September 2020. Vanguard Investments Australia Limited, ABN 72072-881-086, AFS Licence 227-263. We have not taken anybody's circumstances into account when preparing this podcast, so it may not be applicable to you. You should consider your circumstances and our IDPS guide and product disclosure statements, PDSs, before making any investment decision. You can access our IDPS guide and PDSs at vanguard.com.au or by calling 1300 655 101. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. This podcast was prepared in good faith and we accept no liability for any errors or omissions within.